everybody. Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Ross, Xbox Live, Toaster360. My stupendous sibling, Steve, Xbox Live. Steve, which joins me. And a dragon just got launched into space in episode 175 today, May 30th, 2020. We're going to do what we always do, catch up with each other and find out what we've been playing and watching, all that fun stuff. We also have some little news stories we like to go over with each other. Gaming News has the Sony PS5 media event scheduled and BlizzCon has been canceled for 2020, unfortunately. Movie News features a certain blue blur getting a sequel. And Technology News focuses on Square Enix taking their IP into a new entertainment AI territory. Our topic of the day is the SpaceX launch, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, just keep on listening. Welcome to the weekend, Sir Steve. Mm-hmm. Russ, I, um, I did something I probably shouldn't have done, but I uh, used to do a lot. You pooped on your neighbor's lawn, didn't you? I did. But it was only for fertilizing purposes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Did it look like chocolate ice cream? <laughs> you no, know, I had the nice little swirl. I was tired of seeing this dry, just, just this dry non-green spots. So I figured a little bit of extra fertilizer might uh, help them out. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, especially with uh, all the health bars that you eat and protein bars, I'm sure it'll turn the grass purple. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. An alien must have landed there. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna move along. The poop itself starts lifting weights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how you're going to get rid of that now. But uh, anyway. <laughs> so what I did, uh, wife went to sleep last night and I played a little more God of War. And Good I'm for at, you. I'm at the spot where uh, I have to get the black rune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if I'm, when I when I play it all over again, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait to look for, like, secret spots until I progress further in the story because I found all these little chambers where you're supposed to get the chisel or whatever and then, and and open them up, in which case there's, like, a, a Valkyrie fight or something. And the reason I'm going to do that is because they, they show up on the map once you've found them. And... Then I can't remember how to get to them. And sometimes they show up on the map because like you have to go to a different realm, but it's on like the regular world map. And so I've spent like all this time trying to get back to these little secret chambers to open them up. And it, it doesn't, like, I can't seem to find them. So anyway, I think the next time I play that through. Anyway, so yeah, I'm digressing here. So <laughs> I was playing that for a while and then I thought oh you know uh, I should uh, I should just get ready for bed it's you know it's a little after midnight gotta get in the shower so I come downstairs and I think wait a minute there's that one extra chest that I want to get in Legends of Runeterra and so I thought ah this'll this'll won't take long I'll just uh, get this real quick well it didn't take it wasn't quick for us Mm-hmm. It, didn't, uh, it wasn't five minutes because uh, then I got distracted and I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can edit my deck and then how's this deck and then how's this car? This other card's not working for me. I'll swap that out. Finally, at about 2.30 in the morning, I thought, okay, it's about time to get in the shower and go to bed. So I went, I finally got to bed around three in the morning. 
Around three in the morning. Um, and so then I was tossing and turning quite a bit because I had thoughts of uh, sugar plums dancing in your head. Yes, something I know. along the sort. Yeah, and that's yeah. So finally, <laughs> um, I was I was woken up with kisses, and and then it was just my wife saying, "Hey." Um, I'm going to run out real quick. I'll be right back. And I said, okay, what time is it? And she said, it's 10. I went, okay, great. I'm going to get up in a little bit. And then finally I woke up and thought, ah, I feel better. I'm still pretty groggy though. What time is it? It was 1250. So there was my first part of the day. See, I was secretly hoping that you were having some sort of, you know, normal, well-to-do dream that kind of turned into something a bit more hot and heavy with your wife, and then you wake up to your wife's chihuahua tonguing you and uh, causing you to freak out. That's what I was hoping for, I knew, Steve. I knew that's what you were thinking, actually. I knew you were going to say something right around those lines. While, like, <laughs> towards the end of that story, I'm like, I know he's going to mention this. Maybe I should say something. Nah, let's just see what happens. <laughs> let's just see where it goes. Let's see where he takes it. You have that morbid curiosity with me, don't you? Mm, I don't know if I call it curiosity. Uh <laughs> But sure, for, for this purpose, we'll call it that. Oh, well, other than today, Steve, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? I mean, you've been playing some God of War, oh, which I've, is good. Yeah, I've just been playing God of War. And we, have you been enjoying God of War? Have you been loving yeah. God of War, Steve? Has God of War knocked no, your socks I off? I wouldn't say I love it. I, I am really enjoying it. I'm, I won't, I'm not going to say I, I love it. Um what I'm doing now is I went to this realm that I haven't gone before, but it's like a fiery kind of volcano-y. Looks, ah, like, yes. looks like the classic last boss area, but it's not the last boss area. I mean, I highly doubt it is. But it's, it's not. It's a bunch of trials. And um, and so I, I got to the, I think it was the fourth sword, four out of six. And... And I just decided at that point, I thought, well, I should go to bed because this, this is going to take all night. And of course, I um, I would did something else instead of go to bed. So that's where I am. I haven't completed. I haven't continued the story after the black rune. I just decided Man, there's got to be some other secret stuff that I'm not seeing here. Um, so anyway, I but oh, some of those Valkyries, though, I, I have two of them. I got two of them. And then I went back to where, where was the, where was this one? I think it was this the the icy level. Um, no, it wasn't the icy level. I don't know where did I go. I forgot where I went. But <laughs> there's there's two of these chambers so far that are like crazy difficult. There's one of those witches who like throws poison at you, um, and her health bar is purple, so you know she's tough, right? Mm, Anybody with a purple health bar, you know they're pretty strong. The Valkyries, yeah, I remember the Valkyries being especially tough. Right. But this one was different because I, I didn't see a Valkyrie. There was a bunch of enemies, but you had to defeat like the witch. Maybe she, maybe the Valkyrie was there. I'm not remember, remembering right. But um, I tried to get there and I mean, maybe it was one of those like dimensional tiers I'm thinking of. But anyway, one hit and you're done and you're dead. You're done. You're out. And so it doesn't matter if you come in with full life. If she hits you once, you're dead. Like, great. This is fair. Awesome. So... <laughs> Then I went, I, now the Valkyrie I do remember is that she also had a purple bar and there's no real attack that 
you know you can block. Like you know if she has that that red ring that comes out, you, you can't block it. It's too strong of an attack, and you can't. You just gotta like somersault out of the way. Well, that's all of her attacks. And so I'm like, well, what else to do? I'm like, I can hit her. And I think the best I did was I, I got her life halfway down. I'm like, this is this. I, I can't anymore. I got to do something else. I'm going to like break something. So I, that's when I stopped. <laughs> You're actually going to become the God of war in your own house. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on a rage. Oh, geez. So that's, that's, so yeah, that's what I've been playing. Um, other than that, wife and I continue to watch, the Iron Fist on uh, on Netflix, and that's that's okay. It, it's it's fine. It's I, so far Daredevil has been the best. Um, I would say followed by Luke Cage, followed by Iron Fist, and then of course last and oh so de- deservingly last is Jessica Jones. Um, but we can't wait till all the def- you know the, the Marvel defenders. And see what actually happens. The fight scenes out of Daredevil, man, those were exhausting. Like they they filmed these things in like one take, and the guys just beating the crap out of these people, like just martial arts everywhere, jumping off the wall. I mean, it's nuts. It, it's, it's almost exhausting. Like some of these fight sequences are like ten minutes long. You're like, oh my gosh, how do they have energy for this? Hmm. Anyway, pretty intense. Sure, uh, our friend Big Baby Moose will will understand and probably agree. Absolutely. Well, that's what's been going on with me, Rush. What about you? Well, I've been playing quite a few things. I haven't watched really anything. I know um, Legends of Runeterra has been taking up a large swath of my free time. And I know that you actually, I've seen you from time to time sign on and play. Did you play some of that this week? Well, I just told you I did, Rush. Okay. Well, I just want to make sure it was... I want to make sure that like it wasn't like you just had it on your on your computer screen. You weren't act- and you weren't like playing through it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes like like I'll leave the the game on my screen and uh, get distracted and uh, leave it up to people. Think I'm on there and then I'll get like text later. I'm like, hey, how come you're not responding to my little invite? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I've been having a lot of fun with it. The one thing that I'm noticing is that the difficulty with the AI has gone up for some reason. For, um, I would say, um, a pretty long stint, I was actually dominating the, the AI pretty well. And I don't know if it's if they have some sort of AI difficulty increase that ratchets up the more things you unlock. Because you, you know how you have the different regions that you can unlock loot boxes for and that sort of thing. It makes me wonder if the higher up you go collectively with each of those regions that the, the AI suddenly gets tougher. The other thing is I started playing against actual people, uh, just random people who uh, are, are playing the same game. I haven't been having a whole lot of luck with that, Steve, I got to say. I, I think I, I win about 30% of the time and I lose about 70% of the time. So I'm still trying to figure out what it is that I'm doing wrong. Uh, the battles themselves, I would say, for the most part, are pretty close. Like we're, we're kind of down to one of us having like two or three points left uh, and the other person having about five or six, something like that. So it's, it's kind of getting down there, but for some reason I just, I'm having difficulty closing the deal on the lion's share of these things. So still working on that. I also created a new deck, which I call the supremely annoying deck. And I <laughs> uh, essentially just, I took um, all the characters that I find to be really annoying in the game and just put them all together in a deck. <laughs> 
And so I'm, I'm still trying to tweak it and get it kind of uh, honed in a bit and whatnot. But there is something very oddly satisfying in actually taking all those characters and then just using them as a deck, whether it's against the AI or against other people or whatever. I don't know, but maybe it's the sadist inside me. I have no idea, but... Um, it is. It is still um, just a really fun game. Probably one of my favorite games of 2020 so far. I got farther in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I'm stuck at this kind of boss fight situation. Do you remember fighting what's called a Hell House in the original Final Fantasy VII game, Steve? The Hell House? Yes, the Hell House. Um, vaguely. Well... So I'm in the area with uh, Mr. Was is it like Cornelio or Cornelia or something? Cornelio? So, I don't know. There's some kind of uh, a leader of the kind of uh, gambling casino area of like Sector 7 or something like that. And it's kind of more of a CD area. And Tifa has gone in undercover and he's going to, I guess, like he's planning on like having her be his concubine or something like that. And so... You have to go in with uh, Aerith and try and rescue her, and, and you're trying to make your way through kind of like this uh, gladiator battle arena situation. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, but I mean, it's like actually like a house that you're fighting, right? It's like a little shack. It's it's yes, it's yeah. literally like this weird supernatural poltergeist looking shack thing, right? Sometimes like the front door will open and suck in one of the characters and then you have to try and make your way out of it. And the other characters beaten on the house and then it flies around. Anyway, it's a very long battle and I battled it. Well, I think once or twice and that was it. I was like, okay, I lost. I don't <laughs> feel like going through this whole minutia again. So I put it down, Steve. Mm-hmm. We'll see when I'm in the mood to battle the hell house again but it, it the little times like that it, it kind of kills the fun factor for me where i'm like golly man like i don't know how St- steve really had the the endurance back in the day <laughs> because when i think about it it's like that game and gran turismo i remember you started doing like the, uh, the endurance races or whatever uh, and it, like wasn't there a day when you were on like one single race for like eight hours straight or something and it was like oh uh, one lap like 100 something or other i can't even remember how many laps it was but i mean it was just I don't know how you did it. Yeah. Um, man, I didn't have a life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it, there has, I mean, if that took place today, there, there would have had to been some like esports, uh, you know, endurance races, kind of like a uh, 24 hour Le Mans or something, but digital style, Gran Turismo style, because I don't see how anybody can do that nowadays. It, it's just, I mean, you learn the track and you start lapping people and you don't, it's the same thing for hours on end. Oh gosh. It was like, I think it was one another one of them was like 60 laps in the Nürburgring. It was like the, one of the largest tracks on the planet. And it takes for, I mean, one lap takes like forever and there's a bunch of hard turns and whatnot i mean but 60 golly anyway so i think with final fantasy i think the turn-based battle mechanics uh was was good for patience because you all you had to do you, you you were basically you didn't have to wander around the enemy to fight you were just in one spot and the enemy was in one spot and you just took turns attacking and mm. so 
think with the remake, well, when you have to run around and, 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 and change your character and kind of strategize a little bit more, if that doesn't work out for you in the end, you got to start all the way over. That's a lot more activity happening than just, you know, okay, watching like three time bars or four time bars go up and then choosing attack or defend or uh, cast a spell or heal or whatever. Um, and so there's a lot less, you know, thought that has to go into it. So, um, I think at some point, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could see, I could see you getting exhausted with, with it, but, um, I don't remember it, it taking that long. I remember that one did take a while, but I don't remember getting, uh, you know, just, I, I gotta go to something else. <laughs> I think I just, if I died, I get, I, I just continued and that was it. Um. I don't remember that one taking that long, but I, I don't know. Maybe they did something different in, in the remake. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, I'm not used to playing Final Fantasy VII, so I'm not conditioned in terms of how long these battles usually last. I will say this is probably one of the longest battles I have gone through in the game so far. And I know that there will be battles in the future that are far longer, but I think too, because I'm older, I think like it'd be one thing if I was like 13 or 15 years old and I'm playing the game when I have nothing but free time on my hands, but like, I, I just don't have that much free time anymore. And so going through it, if I don't get past it, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to play something else or I got, I got some errands I got to run or some, you know, take care of the family. I don't know something, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how the, the future responds to me. Maybe lady luck will shine down on me. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I gotta say I was pretty close. I, I think, uh, I was within like a little ooch of, of the life bar going completely empty. And that's probably what kind of killed the motivation for me too, where I'm like, Ugh, yeah, I don't want to go <laughs> again. Other than that, I received my Nintendo switch in the mail, uh, from Roy. So thank you, Roy. And more specifically, Roy's wife, Terry, you're the best. That was fantastic of you to do so. And as a result, I have bought my daughter Animal Crossing. So I was uh, um, hounded over and over and over again, having to try and find this game. And so I was able to buy it through the the e-store um, that Nintendo has on, on their platform. So she's been playing that nonstop. She's been really my, um, in this Nintendo type mode. One of the funny things about that game is that there's actually a fair amount of dialogue that you have to read. And so because my daughter is five, she doesn't know how to read yet. Um, she relies on me to be able to tell her what exactly is being said, which in a way I think is pretty cool because there is kind of a daddy daughter opportunity there where like I can kind of tell her what the story is and what the tasks are at hand. And then she gets to be the one to go and carry out those different um, actions and that sort of thing. So it's, it's turning out to be pretty cool and I'm glad I'm finally able to have some kind of, uh, you know, exposure to the huge popularity of Animal Crossing. I also bought Streets of Rage 4 for the Nintendo Switch just because I wanted to see what it was like on the game. It's only 25 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'll get that. And uh, speaking of Streets of Rage 4, you and I played that earlier this week and broadcasted it on Twitch, in which case you died very early on and I carried us all the way to victory and beat the last boss by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That was so right. weird. I was not expecting that to happen at all. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where it was. And then we um, unlocked some of the more Streets of Rage 1 and 2 and 3, you know, the kind of the OG pixel characters, which I got to say, it was fun to be able to play as that. There, there was a, a, an acute enjoyment 
uh, or, excuse me, enjoyment when it came to that, just because for some reason we were um, able to kick a whole lot more booty than the other characters due to the fact that the punch frames are like two or maybe even one frame, like one or two frames each. And so it was, it was pretty satisfying. Wouldn't you say? I would say so, but I will have to add that this last time that we went, went to the last boss we did, you did it in one take. It's like, we didn't, we didn't die and have to redo it again and again and again and again, like the previous time. I thought that was going to be the case. I died, yeah, early on, and then you carried it through and then stayed alive all the way to the end. We didn't you didn't start over. Because if you did start over, then I would be back. Right. <laughs> so anyhow, man. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And all of a sudden it was like way easy. Like why wasn't it this easy before? I will I say though, the difficulty setting. I know what I think that it was just luck because I have tried playing that against that boss by myself and I was just I was disposed of very easily and quickly. So I don't know what was going on. I, I think, like I said, I just got lucky with that. Um, but it, it is a fun game. Like even after we beat it, like I'd still be down to play that game every now and then, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Well, yeah, I would, uh, especially if there's some DLC. But it got me thinking if they're actually going to release like a final fight version because i mean why not why wouldn't they you know if they release this and then then and then capcom has been releasing like their their uh, i think i forgot what they called it. it was like a beatbox or something they called it, it was all like their beat em up games in one like package uh, but if they actually did like a remake for a final fight i think that would be pretty cool yeah, Final Fight would be awesome. I'd love to see a Final Fight remake, as well as Double Dragon. I mean, come on. I wonder which company it was that actually made Double Dragon. Like, who owns the rights to that game? Well, that was, uh, I want to say Konami, but I could be wrong. Well, I want a next-gen experience of Double Dragon. I'm just saying... I also bought Link's Awakening and Luigi's Mansion 3 for the Nintendo Switch. Those games came out last year. I did not have a chance to actually get around to buying them, so I'm glad I was able to pick those up. I haven't tried them out yet, so I'll be able to give you a little bit of an update next week on that, Steve. And finally, did you ever look at that trailer I sent to you? That It's called Ninjala for the Switch. Uh, yeah. I think the art direction on that is actually pretty cool. It, it definitely is more on like the kitty side of things, mm -hmm. but... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to try and find some reviews on it and see what uh, some of the, the critics think. What do you think about it? <laughs> uh, it, it it's Judging from your groan, it um, sounds as though it's going to cause you to buy yourself a Switch. Uh, it's not for me, Russ. It's, uh, <laughs> Well, I say let's segue into some gaming, Steve. Sony announces the PS5 event. Sony is officially confirming its next PlayStation 5 event will be held on Thursday, June 4th of next week. The event will be at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. And by the way, that would mean 3 p.m. Central Time. And Sony is promising a quote look at the future of gaming on PS5. It will run for a bit more than an hour and feature a, quote, first look at the games you'll be playing after PlayStation 5 launches this holiday, end quote, according to Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. Sony is not expected to reveal every detail 
of the PS5 console at this event and further events are rumored to be planned for the coming weeks and months. Quote, this is part of our series of PS5 updates and rest assured after next week's showcase, we will still have much to share with you. Sony has not yet shown off the PS5 console itself, and it is not clear if that will change at the June 4th event. Steve, do you think that Sony is actually going to reveal what the PS5 console looks like next week? No. You no. don't think so? <clears throat> I don't think so. I think they're going to keep it secret. I think they're just going to show the games, and I think closer to uh, the holiday, or maybe a few months later, they'll show the system, but... Um, I, I think that they want to really have a, a big showcase for it. I don't think it'll be like, for example, Microsoft had you know, like just a few folks like say a few things like from their home office or whatever. I don't think that's going to be what Sony wants to do to reveal the system. I think they would, even if even if it was, you know, something that they had a backdrop for um, or something that was pre-recorded. Mm, oh. I kind of think it, I think they really want to focus on the games this time. I think that we're going to push that off. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that that what's working in Sony's favor is they have decidedly gone in contrast to Microsoft. Well, Microsoft wants to get actually a, a fair amount of information regarding the Xbox Series X out sooner rather than later. They, uh, being Sony, have decided to, to start to dole it out uh kind of in a I don't know it's, it's not even a steady pace it's like it's they'll, they'll just drop these little nuggets here and there and I think it's working out for them how many games do you think that they're going to show next week hmm. well, I would say about uh, well let's see the show is supposed to be a little over an hour so maybe about 20 games around there really 20 games now, do you think that they are going to be using some of that hour to have some of their uh, talking heads do a lot of yapping? I would highly doubt it. <clears throat> I, I would highly doubt it. I think that when they had when they were revealing the specs of the system, um, and they they had one of their people up there, you know, talking up the podium and saying what everything can do. I think they probably didn't get the best feedback. I mean, I think anybody who actually knew what all that stuff was, then they would go, oh man, the system sounds like incredible. And then the rest of us <laughs> who go like, oh, you know, I, I pay attention to the way the game looks and sounds and plays. I don't know what a teraflop is. I don't know what, okay, SSD drive, it's faster. I don't know how much faster it is in my PC. You know, the rest of us are going, great, thanks. Can you show us something? Well, and I think that Sony already did that at that's a, what a previous media press conference. That, right. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think they already did that, didn't get a good response. And so for this, I think they're just going to, you know, put stuff a sock in it and show a lot more games. Especially I gotcha. Especially with Microsoft when they did their thing oh gameplay and it was hardly like barely any gameplay. And then they, they didn't get a good response back. I don't think someone's going to want to make the same mistake. Totally agree. The other story uh, that I have here is that BlizzCon has been canceled. The online event has now been planned for 2021. Blizzard has officially announced that there will be no BlizzCon due to, surprise, surprise, COVID-19 pandemic. In a new blog post, Blizzard officially announced that, quote, it's come to the very difficult decision 
to not have BlizzCon this year. However, the company says that it wants to, quote, channel the BlizzCon spirit and connect, unquote, with fans online. Because of the logistics and different factors involved, any BlizzCon online alternative, quote, will most likely be sometime early next year in 2021. So, yeah, it's, to me, I think the the idea of, uh, you know, squeezing 50,000 to 100,000 people um, whose hygiene is uh, probably not the best um, combined with what all has been going on uh, may not be the safest thing to do. So I applaud that decision. Do you agree, Steve? I do. Well, excellent. Uh, Segwaying right into movie news, there is one particular story that makes me happy. Sonic Two movie officially in the works. Paramount Pictures and Sega confirmed the news on May 28th. Variety reports with director Jeff Fowler and screenwriters Pat Casey and Josh Miller returning to develop the follow-up. The movie hit. This, this is what, what's kind of crazy. When I was reading this article, uh, the movie hit theaters on Valentine's Day of this year, which is crazy because that was just enough time to give it. Um, $306.8 million at the box office. And that was pretty close to like being right before all the theaters um, had to shut their doors due to COVID-19. So it's, it's pretty crazy to think about like the timing of that. Where like, when you think of when Sonic was originally supposed to be launched and how they had to delay it due to the fan outcry of how Sonic looked, the very notion that like they could have gotten screwed over a second time due to the pandemic thing. I mean, that would have just been terrible. It probably would have been the final nail in the coffin of getting this movie out and having it be a success, but it's done uh, pretty well, I must say. And, um, you know, I, it actually makes me wonder if it will actually become the, um, highest grossing movie of 2020 because the theaters are, are just closed. I mean, I think they're starting to kind of sort of reopen here and there, but I've been hearing stuff about how AMC might be filing for bankruptcy. Did you hear about that? I did. Yeah. That's insane, Steve. What kind of a world are we living in when AMC goes bankrupt? (laughs) That's not cool. Well, so what are your thoughts on uh, the idea of having a Sonic 2, Steve? Yeah, I can get behind it like I wasn't too crazy about get behind it Steve come on don't be a wet blanket I'm not trying to be a wet blanket Russ I'm just saying I if anybody was listening to our view of the movie they would have heard that I was kind of so so with it so I'm not on those on those lines I'm not crazy excited that there's going to be another Sonic. Hey, remember that movie you were so so about all right they're making another one you're right two thumbs up huh um but what if the sequel side see I remember you saying that you wanted the the movie to actually predominantly be in the world of Sonic like you would probably be more into that what if the sequel was like that Steve what if it was like that what if the entire world was like Green Hill Zone that would be something to look into a lot more (laughs) a lot more computer graphics and like and, and, and not so much like you know, Sonic being computer graphics and a real world environment. You know, I would Oops. rather have it be in like what what they showed what possibly was Green Hill Zone at the beginning of the movie. That was pretty darn cool. 
Indeed. I don't know if that, that, that necessarily makes a great movie, but I would definitely be wanting to see it if it was more along those lines was. <gasps> I see. Now, going into technology news. So this, this story intrigued me, and I still don't have like a complete picture of this, but I, I wanted to share it. The headline reads, Square Enix establishes new company to pursue entertainment AI. Now, this is an article by VentureBeat, and they reported that Final Fantasy VII Remake, of course, is a smash hit for publisher Square Enix. And like the last time a Final Fantasy VII game put Square on top of the world, it wants to diversify. If you recall, after the success of Final Fantasy VII, um, that's when they started making the movie Final Fantasy uh, The Spirits Within. And that was part of their their kind of diversifying of, of company kind of thing. So this time around, Square Enix is building on its AI technology uh, with the launch of Square Enix AI and Arts Alchemy. And I have a quote here. It's kind of a long quote, so bear with me. It says, We believe that new forms of entertainment will be created against a backdrop of ongoing technological innovations, as exemplified by XR, which means extended reality, and next-generation telecommunication standards such as 5G. Now, that was from the, the Square Enix press release. It goes on to say, Square Enix AI and Arts Alchemy will launch its operations with the goal of pursuing R&D efforts that apply the Square Enix Group's knowledge and expertise in AI and art. Not only to games, but to the broader concept of entertainment AI. So my question is, what does this mean for Square Enix? And uh, there, there is a part of the article that talks about how analysts and technologists are all highlighting AI as the next major oncoming revolution. Square Enix obviously wants in on that. Um, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, it's interesting to look at. Um, and it, it, I think the part that I don't understand, though, is, is how exactly is Square Enix going to leverage this type of avenue, considering the fact that they're, they're a game developer? And I know that there have been people talking about how, you know, maybe they're going to have like some of the digital characters from like the Final Fantasy world be able to interact with you. I don't know if that's going to be through your phone or virtual reality or whatever else. But what are your thoughts on that being a Final Fantasy fan, Steve? Mm, I can, I think it's a little bit far-fetched. I think it's a cool idea, but I think it's a little bit far too far-fetched. I think that that Square, I, here's what I think. I think that Square needs to focus on branching out some of their games. Because I think as of late, Square hasn't had the limelight as much as some of these other game company has, like CD Projekt Red, for example, or Ubisoft. And so, and when people think of Square, they think of Final Fantasy. And in Final Fantasy, they've been kind of the games have been relatively redundant for a while. Um, that being said, Final Fantasy, you can get on mobile. You can get Final Fantasy VII on mobile. You can get Final Fantasy XV on mobile. So I think that maybe perk, that perked their ears and maybe like on the Android system or something, if they wanted to make an AI where you didn't have to use like, you know, hey, Google to do whatever you wanted to do on your Android phone, you could have Tifa or you could have 
um, you know, Sid or somebody <laughs> be your AI. I mean, that that would be kind of cool. But it, at the same time, I mean, it, 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 it might be a moneymaker for him. I don't know if it, if the cost would uh, to, to research that and to develop it would equal what it would be to have X amount of people get it on their phone. But, you know, it, it would be cool for a while. Yeah, I think I would need more information ultimately as to what they're planning on doing because I could see it easily being kind of a fringe thing or like a flash in the pan novelty where you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, this is um, an interesting concept. I think it's appealing to a certain level, but is it going to be some sort of profound engagement where the, the user experience compels me to, to continue interacting with it, using it, that sort of thing. It does make me think about like how in Blade Runner 2049, how you had that one holographic uh, synthetic character that was going around. I don't think it's going to be advanced like that, but it does make me think about like how if you have certain types of, of virtual or, or digital companions, it does make me wonder if that's kind of what they're exploring or if there's going to be something else entirely. But it does make you curious. I mean, I do applaud them for actually wanting to expand and diversify into other areas. I just hope that they're, they're not stretching themselves too far just because um, I really want them to stay in business. <laughs> but I hear that they, they're making an absolute ton of money, so good for them. And that is your technology now. Well, regardless of whether you were go or no go for launch, it's time for the topic of the day. Dragon, SpaceX, go for launch. SpaceX Dragon, we're go for launch. Let's light this candle. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition. Liftoff of the Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon. Go NASA, go SpaceX, Godspeed, spot and dog. America has launched. So rises a new era of American space flight, and with it the ambitions of a new generation continuing the dream. Our topic of the day is the SpaceX launch. This actually happened today, and I for one was able to watch this thing happen live where they had a successful launch. They had perfect weather and it was fantastic to be able to see a space shuttle make its way up into outer space. I think the, 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 the last time I saw something like that, uh, I, I, I want to say I was probably a kid, like in like the, the late 80s or something like that. Or it was, I think it was like the last time. Not to say that was the last time that, that Americans were uh, shot up into space, because I think the last time that actually happened was like 2011. But it, it was crazy to actually see it. And I, and I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about as more of a, a tech subject on the matter, because, um, I think there's a lot of things about this whole event that are, that's it's kind of worth geeking out over and, and uh, exploring and whatnot. 
Did you have a chance to check it out yourself, Steve? I did. I was a little bit late to the show. Um, I remember I, I clicked on it and they were, the rocket was still sitting there. And so I thought, oh, I, I got to watch that. And I went to go get something to eat and I, I was heating up and then I heard nothing but a coming out of my phone. I thought, what is that sound? I forgot what I was. And so then I kept on eating and I thought, oh, the space launch. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I ran back and grabbed my phone and was in, yeah, was watching it. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the, I, the, the last space launch, well, not including SpaceX, of course, but like the last like NASA only space launch I've watched, um, that sticks out in my head was when, um, they had a, the, the faulty design and the rocket and the whole thing exploded on its uh, way up. That was in the eighties. That was yeah. under president Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I remember as a Terrible. child being horrified. I think we were both in the room as, as we saw that unfold, uh, as many other Americans and people around the world did too. I think that was a horrific thing that, that occurred, but, um, luckily they were able to since then have multiple successful launches with astronauts. And so, um, I actually, you know, I wanted to talk about how, the idea of space exploration makes you feel and how it makes me feel because I don't know about you, but like when I'm sitting there today and I'm watching this thing take place and you, and you see it get down to the final minute, I can't help but think about like what the two astronauts must be thinking about while they're sitting there. And especially as it gets down to like 30 seconds and then the final 10 second countdown, it is just, you know, they, they've got to be having a, a, huge reservoir of adrenaline just pumping through themselves, especially, I don't even know if they had been up to space before or if this was their first time. I had heard that they, they are astronauts and um, I, I guess like, like they've worked through NASA and that sort of thing. So I, I'm unfortunately I don't have all that information, but I just found myself just getting really excited and seeing it um, launch and that sort of thing. I don't know that there, there is a natural sense of euphoria that occurs when I watch um, a rocket like this take place. And I think it has to do with it being kind of a symbol of humanity, like just, just in terms of, of its desire to go explore and granted like, like this particular shuttle um, they're making their way over to um, the International Space Station. That That is what their mission is when it comes to this. But do you get that way too? Like when you watch a space shuttle taking off, do you, are you filled with like a sense of pride or, or, or are you like kind of reminded of what it's like to be a 10-year-old again and you're just looking at it with uh, admiration and excitement? I do have a sense of pride, but I, it's it's a scary, it's a scary excitement more that that's more than than pride pride in the sense that we haven't done anything for a space exploration since like 2011 for on on american soil really um what we've been doing is actually the russians have been going back and forth uh into space and we have been basically paying the russians for a seat on their craft and so uh i'm glad that we're we're spending money and you know american dollars for american companies to send american ships up into space but it's because that's this is not a normal thing. There's a ton of risk. I mean, just in recent memory, uh, they had been testing rockets and that had failed. And then they had basically one successful attempt where it was flawless and perfect. 
and then they're going to go your ride back up. And so I, because it's so expensive and there's a bunch of unknowns, um, I, I don't know. I think that these astronauts would be on board. Like that's why they do what they do. And yes, let's go. But at the same token, since there's so much that can go wrong, they got to feel like, okay, I'm going up. I'm not sure if I'm coming back. You know, uh, I think it's a little bit of maybe a, a soldier mentality where, you know, if you're going off to a, to war for a different land, you don't know if you're coming back. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is not like you're going to get shot, but I mean, th- th- this is, space exploration is still quite a mystery. Usually we just send stuff up there to, to put satellites or maybe have little drones to explore planets. But by and large, there hasn't been a, a whole lot of people that, that go up and down from space regularly. I mean, we're not living the science fiction days right now. So, I mean, I think it's awesome. And I love seeing that ship go up there and, and then they're in orbit and I can see planet earth there. Like, yep, there she is. There's the, there's, there's the planet. She's beautiful. And they're up there and they're far from home. I'm thinking, man, they're lucky, but I'd be like, you know, what, what, what happens if you're pissed from your pants right now? Because, uh, (laughs) where you are, what you're doing, you know, how do you fix that problem? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm pretty sure that they but, have um, figured out uh, all those different parameters. But I, I see what you're saying. I yeah, definitely yeah, think that I, they probably yeah, I, have anxiety yeah. and butterflies in the stomach and, you know, how there's uh, any number of things that could go wrong. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I yeah, think I don't that, think they're going to catapult people up there and without, uh, you know, figuring <laughs> a lot of this stuff out. But it's basically brand spanking new still. That's what all I'm trying to say. Gotcha. I was able to, to um, find some some fun trivia regarding this particular um, craft as well as the launch itself. And I did so by looking up various questions, Steve. That's what Google's good for. Uh, I was curious um, how many crew dragon capsules are there? Because I, you know, I saw the one that went up and I was thinking, well, are there any others? As of May of this year, there are nine crew dragon flights nah. caught contracted to carry crew seven are contracted by NASA uh, one crewed test flight and six um, operational crew rotation missions and then there are two one each that are contracted by private companies uh, Axiom Space and Space Adventures so there I mean I, I, I did not know that did you know that Steve no, you didn't. That. But did you know? <clears throat> did you? But did you know that Boeing is also working with NASA to do their own little space thing? I do actually, as a kind of a byproduct of looking up the answers to my questions. <laughs> the second question, Steve, is actually one that uh, answers the question that you just posed, which is: Does the Crew Dragon have a toilet? And the answer is that the Cargo Dragon can carry. 3,307 kilograms, which by the way, equals 7,291 pounds to the International Space Station. The Crew Dragon has a capacity of seven astronauts, but there are only four seats that are used for NASA missions. Now above the seats, there is a three screen control panel, a toilet with privacy curtain and the docking hatch. So there you have it, Steve. If you have to use the John, you go above your fellow colleagues and uh, just be grateful that you are in outer space where everything floats in case there's a little dribble. So (laughs) (laughs) now how does the SpaceX Dragon work? I'm sure that is the first question that comes to your mind, Steve, and I'm here to give you the answer. 
Towards the base of the capsule and contained within the nose cone are the Draco thrusters, which allow for orbital maneuvering. Dragon's trunk not only carries unpressurized cargo, but also supports the spacecraft during ascent. The trunk remains attached to Dragon until shortly before re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. Draco or Draco? Draco. You know, that is a very good... It's probably Draco, now that you bring that up. Mm. I've not actually heard anyone um, say it out loud. But then again, I am a fool. So. Now... Another question I had is that, it, you know, and, and this is kind of a, a funny question, but it's, it's, is SpaceX with NASA? SpaceX has flown 20 resupply missions to the International Space Station under a partnership with NASA. NASA also awarded SpaceX a further development contract in 2011 to develop and demonstrate a human rated dragon which would be used to transport astronauts to the International Space Station and return them safely to Earth. So up until this moment, there have been others that have been used predominantly just to, I guess, bring supplies up, unmanned uh, capsules, I guess. How? No, Steve, one of the questions I was looking for too is how much do astronauts make? Because you know, I'm curious. They're, they're always kind of one of those... Uh, publicized heroes, you know, like if you're an astronaut, you're, you're kind of a badass, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure, like, like what all is involved in order to meet the, the prerequisites of being an astronaut. NASA astronauts must pass a grueling application process before being selected. Their annual salaries are determined using a government pay scale and starting out fall under two grades. There is the GS-12 and GS-13. According to the 2018 government pay scale, an astronaut earns between $63,800 and $98,317 per year, which was actually a bit lower than I was expecting. I just Googled it now that you had already Googled it. Mm-hmm. Um, civilian astronauts are awarded a pay grade of anywhere from GS-11 to GS-14. So the income range is pretty wide. Salaries start at 66 grand a year. Seasoned astronauts, on the other hand, Russ, can earn upward of a hundred and friggin' 44,000 a year. See, that's more in line with what I was thinking. That's what Buzz is making, Russ. Buzz Aldrin is a millionaire. What are you talking about? He just <laughs> steps foot somewhere and they're like, here, give him a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I have to work a day in his life after that. <laughs> Get himself a cameo with Optimus Prime. Shoot. Let me see here. How does SpaceX make their money? This was one that I was curious about because I know that Elon Musk owns SpaceX, but there's only so much money that he has. There has to be some sort of business model behind this. While SpaceX has made significant advances in space technology, it currently makes money purely by launching satellites into low Earth orbit and by transporting cargo to and from the International Space Station. Notably, the company charges customers much less per launch compared to other players. And it makes total sense. I mean, it's, it's nice that they have some sort of business model that, that sustains them and allows them to explore their own ventures. So I think that's, that's pretty sweet. Let me think here. Um, so those were like the main questions that um, I was 
researching and and whatnot. But I do think that there are other things that um, I think are, are just technological marvels. I think that the idea that the space shuttle itself is completely autonomous, apparently from the moment it launches until it docks with the ISS, that entire thing is automated. And the astronauts themselves, they have the ability to take over manual control at any point if they, if they need to. But by and large, they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there enjoying the ride, which I think is um, a big difference compared to the old days when there was um, a fair amount of, of manual control, like when they were having the, the space shuttle coming back into re-entry. I think there was a certain level that was perhaps able to be handled autonomously, but I think like when it came to landing the ship, um, it had to be manually controlled, and I think there were certain components as well when they were up in, in space and stuff that also had to be done ma- uh, manually. So I think that's really neat. Another aspect of it too is um, the idea of being able to reuse some of the components from the shuttle. Um, and furthermore, the idea that they have technology where what, like when the, I, I, again, I don't know all the, the terms of, of what the space shuttle consists of, but when you have certain parts that break away from the shuttle after it's gone to a certain altitude and, and they're able to um, start to like do away with the thrusters and, and kind of the, the body of the booster and that sort of thing. Some of those components actually are designed to find their way back to the launching pads. And it may not be the necessarily like the original launching pad that they, they launched the shuttle from, but it is the coolest thing to see these parts actually make their way back and successfully land right where they're supposed to. I mean, it's, it honestly it reminds me of Iron Man three when Tony Stark was playing around with like having his suit, like actually co- you know, come apart into multiple parts and he could bring them and, and pull them back together from uh, one point to another. I, I, I just think that that kind of technological Marvel is really neat. Were you able to see that yourself? I didn't. I didn't see that, but it, may, it makes total sense. Only because uh, well, I think with the last uh, testing, they're, I mean, they're they're looking to reuse a lot of these parts, and all of these parts are falling in the ocean in random spots, and they got to go find them. I mean, that's going to cost a lot more money. I mean, it would it would it's research that's funded in the right direction because if they don't have to pay people to go out uh, into the ocean to find random shuttle parts, and they can all just land right back where they that can you know, excavation crews can go back and get, and get them, whatever. Saves a lot of money and saves a lot of uh, materials also. But it, I mean, with, but with the shuttle landing right back, uh, not that previous test, right, landing right back on its um, <laughs> pad, I would assume that if they have that kind of technology and they want to reuse the parts, that they can make the parts do the same thing or at least like maybe kind of have little guidance chip sort of things inside of them that can kind of push them in the right in the right direction where they want them to land so they have a, a, a very good idea yeah <clears throat> um i totally was going to ask you something and then it just kind of went into one side of the ear and then out the other ear into was, orbit right it, it went into orbit yeah so what are your thoughts on the idea that this is no longer an exclusive government oriented experience that actually the, the commercial district is now really starting to get their feet wet. You know, we not only have had SpaceX, but also um, Virgin has their own space program. I think Amazon has their own space program that they're working on. It, It really is interesting to see how we have a lot of, of more of the private sector get involved 
with not only like desiring to, to like have some sort of business model to get, you know, citizens and civilians, that sort of thing um, up into space, but also how they probably have their, their um, input on pretty much every step of preparation and design engineering, everything. And I think it, it, it's, it's, you know, of course not taking anything away from NASA because NASA consists of, um, a ton of, of extremely intelligent folks and that sort of thing. But what, what are your thoughts on the idea that um, moving forward, there is going to be kind of this ongoing partnership with NASA, you know, considering that NASA is a government agency and there's probably a high likelihood that down the road it as, as a more of a, a commercial private sector thing they will probably be able to largely not have to rely as much on NASA. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's the it's the way of the future. It's you know, my mind likes to imagine you know science fiction stuff where you know space travel is is normal and and this is the first step where if we just think the government if we rely on the government to do this one thing, then um, you know if if that breaks down, then no one else can travel versus, I mean, if, if you can, if you consider like, let's say you mentioned Virgin airlines earlier, let's say the Virgin airlines was the only way to travel just from one state to the other state. Um, and let's say I still lived in California and you lived in Texas. And so Virgin airlines broke down and now we can't see each other and our families can't visit anymore because Virgin airlines is the only, our only plane that we can use or the only train or the only, you know, whatever. And so with, uh, competition, healthy competition like this. I mean, I think it, it advances technology, and I think it it, it just provides um, more of a regular means um, to to travel, or maybe could you could apply it to anything. I mean, competition in, in electronics, phones, game systems, music, uh, you know, whatever. And so, with the government, there is no competition. The government controls it. But now we can see that, yeah, there there is definitely other avenues, and we, we can apply today's technology, not technology of twenty years ago. Uh, we we can reuse. We can apply money correctly. Um, and who knows? There might be even more, um, even more companies that are also looking into it. And if this becomes more of a regular thing, then it's going to the, the costs are going to come down. And we might see regular space travel for regular civilians in our lifetime. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's particularly exciting. I know that that right now you have the super rich that I think are making reservations so that they can be the first ones to go up as citizens to be able to have that type of experience. But I look forward to the day when, when it becomes more of an affordable thing for all of the regular people out there. And I got to say, I just have to take a moment to really tip my hat to Elon Musk because it's amazing what he has been able to accomplish with his companies. I think that it's insane how he has shown that the electric vehicle market is one that can be done and done stylishly. And the the level of, of forethought when it comes to so many different parameters and I don't know, like just, just, just different requests from customers and that sort of thing to the solar panels to the, now the SpaceX launch program. It's amazing how he has been able to overcome so many barriers to entry and red tape and everything else. And I think that there's a certain level of passion there where he is unrelenting and unwavering in terms of 
what his vision is that he wants to accomplish. And so um, nothing but, but respect and gratitude coming from us to, to Elon Musk on that. I'm sure he's got to be really happy right now. I'm sure he's stoked. And you can find interviews uh, with him on YouTube where people ask him about, you know, his passion and, and they, they ask him what he thinks about space exploration, you know, mainly because he was developing SpaceX and uh, they'll ask him about AI and, and whatnot. And space travel is a, a huge passion of his. And he was, he's basically saying what we all think. Um, we're just not really exercising every day, which is, you know, we, the, our planet is finite and there's only so much space for all us all to live. And there's only so many resources for us all to use. And at some point we're going to have to expand. We have to travel outside the planet and, his view is, you know, are we going to wait until we're desperate to, to finally explore? Are we going to explore now so we know what's going on and we can, we can prepare ahead of time? And, he, and it might be that he is just uber smart and uber wealthy and so everybody pays attention to him. Um, but and so I doubt he's the first person to think that way. But I, he is definitely one of the first people to use the talents that he was born with um, and uses his wealth in a way that will better mankind in the in the entire planet um so yeah i my my hat is tipped and bartender send a, a glass of wine that way please nice <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one of the finest house wines you have house wines <laughs> one of the things too that i think is worth noting is Elon Musk has a natural curiosity in a, a wealth of different markets and, and, um, industries. One of the, the interesting stories that uh, was told to me was actually by our buddy, Sean, who's in the game um, industry. And, um, back when he was, yeah, when he was working, um, over at infinity ward, uh, on call of duty, he was talking about how they would, um, pretty much on on the regular, they they would get various types of, of celebrity types coming through and, and getting a tour of the office space and that sort of thing. And, one of those people was Elon Musk, how Elon Musk brought his kids in and just wanted to see the tour and, and uh, kind of get an idea, uh, like a high level idea of, of how games are made and that sort of thing. And I don't know, I, I think it's really neat to have someone who takes interest in all things. And I think that Elon Musk is one of those people that truly does that. Like it's, he's not just doing it like, Oh, you know, Oh, my kids will like this. So we'll go here. I think that he has, um, an intense curiosity as to just how things work and have better understanding and be able to use that for practical application when it comes to his own passions of life. And I think that that's a very commendable attribute to have. I think that, um, if more people were to, take on that type of approach, I think that it would probably be for one, it'd be enlightening. Like we all wouldn't be as, as naive or ignorant, but I also think too, it's amazing how subconsciously speaking, how those things can actually be added to your toolbox of life. So really, really neat individual. I think it's, it's, it's very cool to see what all he has done for humanities this to this point, really. Hopefully he'll be able to get some rest because I know he's incredibly busy, but I, I am wondering what is next for him. What is it? What is, um, if anything, like, like what, what kind of huge project does he have secretly in the waiting in the wings to, to actually unleash? 
but I don't want to digress too far into that. Um, one of the other things I did want to mention when it goes back to the SpaceX program is apparently the next mission that they're planning for is that in 2024, they're actually going to return astronauts back to the moon. And then more of a, a longer term plan is, is the idea of getting astronauts to Mars. And I know that Elon has talked about how that is um, another dream that he has is to try and figure out how to get mankind to Mars. Um, and I think that that would be a, a big undertaking as well. But um, my one thing that I, that I do wonder about is what are the benefits of having astronauts go back to the moon simply because we've done that already. And I'm not exactly sure what they're going to accomplish when they go, when they, when they actually take those, those astronauts back up there. I've heard of little things here and there. Like I know there's interest in starting kind of a colonization on the moon and that sort of thing. But um, do you think that, that it's wise to, to go back to the moon or do you think that, that we should just kind of uh, couch that and, and set our sights for Mars? Well, I think, I think Mars is kind of Pandora's box. I think the moon is just one step closer to understanding Pandora's box and maybe shortening the distance or learning more about space. Or, uh, I mean, if you think about it, there, there's, there's really nothing on the moon except for rocks and dust, right? I mean, for... I mean, maybe I could be completely wrong, but from from what I know, there's nothing really up there. However, um, if let's say they put a, they develop transformers are up there, Steve. Yeah, really. Yeah, right. They are. That's that dark side of the moon. They're right. Yeah. Pink Floyd's up there too. Um, (laughs) so let's say they use the moon to start developing a little space station where it, and then they do launches from the moon and, 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 they have they can use less fuel that way because they're not rocketing up from Earth to go past the moon. They're already up there on the moon, and then they can do launches from there. And then, uh, I mean, it might be easier to make a, a small space station on the moon than it would be just an orbit somewhere. That's, that's my understanding of where the space station is currently. Um, and so if you think about it that way, or maybe they want to put like a, a huge uh, telescope there instead of like the, uh, the telescope that's like in Hawaii or for example, um, they can, and, and we're looking out from earth. We're now looking out from the moon, you know, I mean, it's that for reasons like that, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that there are definitely reasons to justify it for sure. And I do think that the idea of being able to colonize the moon um, is an interesting one, but I'm not exactly sure how to sustain that just because like, like to, to your point, there's nothing there in terms of resources to be able to do that. I think that we would have to be constantly sending up resources from earth in order to sustain whatever kind of colonization we make up there. I do think that in terms of perhaps having some kind of controlled environment maybe we could get to the point where it could be self-sustaining where like you could have more of an autonomous approach where you could grow your own food. And um, at least when it comes to fruits and vegetables, that sort of thing, uh, as well as generate your own oxygen. Maybe there is something where, where the, the supply lift doesn't have to be as heavy as when they first start out. I'm not one of those uh, experts at all in this whole thing, but just my initial thoughts on that. It it does make me curious. I am interested in seeing what would happen as a result of that. And I'm just glad that there has been this, this renewed 
interest, this, this, this excited vigor when it comes to space exploration. And I really hope that this isn't the last that we'll see. I hope that there is more of a continuous involvement with it because the space is in fact a big space. I mean, it, it is huge and we, we have explored hardly any, I mean, like we, I mean, to be, to be perfectly honest, we haven't really explored it at all. We've gone to the moon and that's it. <laughs> and I think there are, there are all kinds of crazy wonders out there. And so it'd be interesting to see what happens. Do you have any concluding thoughts yourself, Steve? No, Russ, exciting times, exciting times. Oh, what was that, Steve? Exciting times, Russ. No, 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 I heard that. You don't have to yell in my ear. <laughs> you, you, you breathed in as though you were going to say something else. I just want to make sure you were just breathing, or were you going to say something else? No, I didn't. Well, thank you, Steve. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G. ASM and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>